talked to the tax guy the other day, and I've got some good news and bad news. Okay. Bad news for us. Good, <laughs> good news. Uh, don't say that. Good news for our listeners. So um, I didn't realize this. This whole time we've been building up this inventory of clothes, of all the shirts and tanks and hats and all this cool shit, which is nice because we don't have to keep rebuying. But I found, and I didn't know this, okay, so this is a learning process, that it, it when we have inventory, none of that is tax deductible. Not until you sell it. Not until we sell it or give right. it away. So- that being said, and we're coming up on the final quarter, what we're going to do before we enter into winter is do a 24-hour fucking fire sale. Whoa. We're basically going to give these shirts away for what it costs us to make the shirts. So the we're going to do- Closeout of closeouts. For everybody. It's going to be $8 a shirt. What, for just 24 oh, hours? Moly. As, yes. We're not going to get killed on that or for, what? Well, we, we'll we're, we're going to get more killed by it sitting there. I so that's see. that's the headache is like at least we're going to get our money back. We can get out of our inventory and then we can move on to the next like winter line and the new year. So uh, if you're listening to this right now, it's going to be a 24 hour fire sale. Uh, you can buy as many shirts and mm. things that you want inside. Uh, it's going to be like a feeding frenzy. Yeah, and it's going to be first come, first serve. So as soon as we're out of that size, we're out of that size. Uh, we're not going to be reordering it. We're trying to get rid of all this inventory uh, so we don't get hammered on taxes. Uh, so once you hear this episode, there, there'll be 24 hours, and then we'll shut it down well, You from know there. what's cool about that? Uh, once we make room then that means we make room for something new cool coming in. Yeah, absolutely. New stuff. We'll move, on, move on to the winter line. But uh, 24-hour fire sale, first time we ever do this. Uh, done for this. the shirts. Eight, for, eight bucks. Yeah. Where do they yeah. go to find them? Uh, mindpumpmedia.com. Mindpumpmedia.com. Right on. Hurry up. You know, scientists don't know why breasts, female breasts are considered sexual to, to humans, it doesn't make any sense. It's not like mm. the other animals. It's we're one of the very few mammals where the breasts always stay enlarged. How do you f- how do you figure that if we were f- if we fed on it? Why what, wouldn't you think? Why would you be sexually attracted to it though? You're not sexually attracted. Well, you to want it. that in a mate because then they could produce more milk. Mm, maybe there's lots of theories, but they don't know. They don't mm. know why we consider that a sexual part of the body. Well, mm. is it really sexual, it's or is it we just don't a have desire it. that we want it? Yeah. Because they're jiggling their knives. Well, I want. <laughs> That's why. I, there's a lot of things I want that don't give me a boner. You know what I'm saying? And don't you? I, and there's got to be something to be said about the fact that we we, co- you can we cover it them up, up in the middle, and you could do. Like stuff if, with I, I think if everyone walked around naked all the time, I think there would be a, a whole different like uh, arousal. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. We'd be desensitized a little bit, but of course, I, I don't know. If I grew up in, a, in an environment where women were always topless, and I'm a 14 year old boy going through puberty. Boobs still have some power. You say that right now because you're a 14-year-old boy that boobs were covered up, and to see a boob when you're 14 years old was a big fucking deal. It's a boob. I think if we saw it every single day, I don't think it would be that big of a deal. So if you saw butts every day, it wouldn't be a big of a deal? If you saw naked butts all the time? Yeah, same thing too. Really? Yeah. You don't think it'd be a big deal? You don't think an attractive woman? Even vaginas. If you saw vaginas all day long- and they were, If everyone was naked all the time, I think it would take away from that like- A little bit. Yeah, and this is why Adam's like I think, a gynecologist. I think he's, <laughs> he wants to keep. Well, that's a good example. Like, yeah. You think a gyno every time he gets ready to go work oh, on a vagina, he gets aroused? Different. That's no. different because he horrible. sees him all day he's long. Looking for that's he's, horrible. He's, he's a, quote unquote issues. He's a professional. That's different. Uh, My God, yeah, we should hope so. My goodness, Adam, what are we doing here? Uh, We're giving away some shirts here. 
Please. <laughs> Sorry, Doug. Cover them. Cover up them titties. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> With those shirts. Let's give some shirts out so they can cover them titties Keep the up. mystique. Well, the good yeah. news is we got 20 reviews yeah. this last yeah. week. Uh, I like and this so new trend. This, did, this, this calls for a song from Justin in a uh, sounding like that one singer. In Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you gotta do give it. me more references. I got like that one singer. No, let you Yeah, that was worse than I thought yeah, it would be. Yeah. yeah. So we're gonna give away five thanks, shirts thanks, now. Sal. All right, five uh, shirts. Let's do it. Five shirts going out. First up is Samacree, Brian Herb, Z Man One Thirteen, A Jones Five Five Six Six, and my very favorite of all. Adam's Librarian. <laughs> didn't we already give Adam's Librarian Wait, one? Wait, didn't she get a free t-shirt last no, time? We no, didn't give we didn't. We, we mentioned it. We I had didn't. to give him one just for his name. I almost, I could have swore we gave him a free shirt. We uh, did, because you guys already made, that was the joke last time. Yeah. No, no, he's, he read it, but he didn't give him a shirt last time. Are you me. sure? Yes. Oh, that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think it came in midweek, and yeah, then I and then read we, it were, to you guys. we were dying. Library? Yeah. yeah. Librarian. 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 Yeah. Conan the Librarian. Pretty <laughs> fucking funny, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, real funny. Real I funny. It funny. So, so email. Yeah, iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com. Include your shirt size and your shipping address. And we'll send that out to you. Boom, boom. I don't know much, but I know I love you. So much better. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts. Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. I think we sold fucking 300 plus shirts yesterday. Whoa. Are they? Are we almost out of stock? Yeah, we've sold a lot out of stock. When does this? We sold. We sold almost all. I think all of all it. of those. We sold all of the. When uh, does the sale go into effect for everybody else? Right now. Right now, it's in effect. Oh. It went last night at five. Or no, no, no. Wait, wait. It's on right now, no, no, or no, when today. this episode five, airs? When this episode airs today, okay. the general public gets access. So we're posting. Later Yesterday, tonight, we gave access to the forum members. So yeah. they got first dibs. They got. First so right dibs. now, if they're listening right now, they can go to Mind Pump Media. Dot com and buy the shirts for it's a fire any our, sale. Any of our shirts for how much? Eight dollars. Ocho, ocho, oh. eight bucks. Mind yeah. pump the ocho. Eight dollars for a fucking craft, a professionally crafted. Oh, and it fits good. Oh, they're tri- Yakford shirt. Yeah, no, that's that's sexy buff people. That's actually cost on most shirts and actually under cost on some other shirts. So, so we're losing money. Yeah, we're, we lost money on the MP, wow. on the MPTV shirts. So we're like bad business people right now. Uh, well, not necessarily. I mean, I told you that we we talked to the tax guy, and it'd be bad business if we were to hold on to the inventory at the end of the tax year. Yeah, you don't you don't get to write it off unless you sell it or give it away or give it away. So we're basically almost giving it away. Yeah, we're just trying to get our money back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for eight bucks, you can get a brand new Mind Pump or Maps. Ah, sure. uh, the apparel business. Yeah, <laughs> so many cash twenty twos. They uh, the minute that we had released it, it they're flying right now. So if they're, I mean, there there already is limited sizes on a lot of things. So it it went fast already. So you better get on there and buy a bunch of them. Yeah, if you're listening to this, you probably want to pause the show and actually go to to look it up and see what's left because I know that. Here's the other thing too, because there's some smart people out there. You could buy these shirts for eight dollars or resell them for twice as much. <laughs> you could you have a business on the street. You have a business opportunity. Yeah. Hustle. Get your hustle okay. hat on, son. <laughs> That's funny that you brought that up. I watched a documentary last night um called uh Sneakerheads on Netflix. 
Great documentary. Of course he did. That feeds right into I your... know. Because he went in the search thing yeah. and he put head. Well, that's what came up. No, 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 no. Mm. Just oh. Sometimes I have to. Uh, I have to let Katrina know that I don't have that much of a problem as she thinks I have, and I'm like, no, no, no. Listen, <laughs> I'm like not even bad, and it was no. Great. Look at these guys. It's We're, like it's like the hoarders. Oh, thing dude. Where these like, I'm not. I'm, I'm actually pretty clean. These dudes. Let me tell you. There's some. There's some guys with thousands of sneakers, like never even worn them before. Like they've collected like every single pair and color. Oh, that's ridiculous. Every yeah. colorway of the Jordans. Well, it's called there, Foot Locker. Just buy one. The, the, to me, it's a little. I wear all mine, so like I I don't. Uh, I, I collect them and I take good care of them, you know, knowing in the back of my head if I ever got kicked out on the street and I was absolutely broke that I could sell my shoes and, and I could live off of them for a while. Yeah, that's why you buy them all. That's not why I buy oh, them. Okay. I buy them all to wear them. But I mean, it's e it's easier to justify spending money on that when you know there's still value to them. It's like buying a classic car versus going out and buying a, a brand new Mercedes. I remember yeah. when I almost bought my uh, S550 that I wanted and I thought... Man, it's a hundred and ten thousand dollar car. The moment I drive it off the lot, it's going to be worth like fifty grand. And I'm like, I just have a hard time stomaching that, regardless if you can afford it or not. Where like things like the sneakers or like a Rolex watch or like a classic Camaro, like stuff like that, like you, some it of accumulates it accumulates value. Well, yeah, some of it goes up in value. Like my Camaro is worth more than what I bought it for. Yeah. My my watches are worth the same or worth more. Well, than think what about I paid this too with classic cars. Like there's going to be a point where all these self driving cars and like everybody's driving everybody around. Where there's going to be laws for even driving yourself. Right. You know, think about how valuable those classic cars are going to be. Oh, to even have those. That's why I want to get like a stick shift and, and make my dude kids stick shifts are going to be um, or gone already. Yeah, yeah. No, it's hard no, to find them. Kids don't know how to drive stick. That's actually. Do you know that they say one of the best ways to prevent your car from being stolen is, is to buy a stick. Is stick to have it be stick. That's great. No way. I'm totally you, is, that, that. is that a true fact? That's yeah. true. It's far, far, far. <laughs> We've gotten to that point. It's That's far hilarious. less likely to be, never, be stolen. I have never heard that, but uh -huh. it makes so much sense. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. The, the the age group that's probably out uh, at two o'clock in the morning stealing cars is probably not some fifty year old guy, right? It's, no, it's probably some yeah. young punk kid between you know seventeen and twenty five. And you're probably I never even thought of yeah. that. And yeah. to I'm me, buying sticks from here. Yeah, on. and to me, I don't oh, know, yeah. but I don't know about you guys, but for me, like if I ha if I buy a fast car or whatever. Got to be a stick. I have right? to have it be stick. connected to it. But you know what? The the technology's so good now on the automatics that you're faster with the automatic. It used to not be that way when yeah. we were kids. Stick was faster than automatic because they just didn't have the timing right and the tech. You know the. But now you get no. Listen, you get it like the Ferraris, the top of line ones with the paddle shifters and all that stuff. It's faster. They they get faster quarter mile times than with the old school clutch and stick. But it's just not a fun. It's not as fun. Yeah. And you, I mean, you could debate that back and forth too, because yeah. if you're if you're a good stick driver, there's lots of benefits to driving stick because you have full control of that. But if you're bad, if you launching is one of the hardest. Things. I used to race cars, right? So I used to race my illegally, not totally legal. Or uh -huh. <laughs> so like, I'm not talking like I'm a professional or anything oh, like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I do have a little bit of experience in that. And launching is one of the hardest things. I don't know how many times I got beat by somebody who had a car that had right way, off the line. Yeah, way more horsepower. I had way That's more where horsepower. It all happens, than, yeah. But if you don't, if you don't launch and you don't take off correctly, I mean. Uh, half a second more of spinning, well, that's spinning your tires and, and a lot of these cars smoked. now have launch controls where you hit yeah, a button and exactly. it just puts you at the right amount and then, you, yeah. and then you take off and it launches cheating you. It is cheating i think i think if you uh if you are into that or into the sport there's a part of it that 
that's just well it. think about electric cars now right they're they're faster than anything off the line it's immediate it's immediate torque yeah right it's silly i so i trained a guy I feel who, like it'd be like hunting with like an infrared you know infrared dot like this is not right think, yeah, <laughs> yeah like if hmm, you're where's this you're, gonna, you're uh, out there deer hunting and you see like this land. red laser beam on yeah. the <laughs> oh dude you just like, wait you just cheating, wait till people you cheating motherfucker like you can't uh, do that just or, wait till people hunt with drones oh yeah oh right? my god yeah. Yeah. Park or heat heat seeking bullets right fucking <laughs> go around trees and go find your deer. <laughs> Dude, you can't do that. That's I, not fair. It takes no away assholes. from the sport. It's a I, sport. I used to train a guy that who, reminds me of a story, I'll tell who you was so. the head engineer for Tesla, and he uh, took the, 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 the fastest Tesla. What is it? The Model S, but it was the P85D or whatever, the, the, the faster one. The big one, yeah. yeah. And um, right when they first came out, had me sitting in, and he just punches it. You know, he just punched the accelerator. Your head snapped. That Dude, power, I've never felt anything like it. And well, it was, it's it was silent. It's different power. It's, it was it's weird. smooth, but it's like immediate. Yeah. yeah. You get that roller coaster feeling in it. And it's uh-huh. like, oh, and it makes the, that. Oh, uh, the G-forces. Yeah, I remember Batman, the, the, the way the car, the car sounded uh, the, in the newer Batman, that electric engine sound. That's what it made. Uh, it's pretty interesting. It's cool. very, very fast. Never felt anything like that before. And I've been in some fast cars. Yeah, yeah there, there's there's a difference between that kind of power for sure. I it's, mean, it's like there's zero to 60 is like, what, two and a half or three it, seconds, something crazy. Dude, it's yeah. silly. That's, you know, it's funny. Like, I had to get it back to your, you're talking about like hunting and how lazy, like, you know, along those lines. Yeah. Well, I went to Arkansas to visit my cousins like a long time ago. And, you know, I, I'm a, I was a big fisherman back then. And, you know, I was into fly fishing, like all kinds of fishing. And um, they took me out like, oh, we're going to go fishing. And I'm like, great, cool. Like, where's my, you know, fishing rod? I'm like, oh, we don't use any of that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, like bare hand catching or what? Bare hand catching. Then the other version for catfish. Then the other version was they would take like this yo-yo. Like, they called it yo-yo fishing. Uh, so they put it on a branch and then they would feed it down into the water. It was basically like a snare and they would drive away and they'd come back and a fish would get caught and then it would go up into the, uh, uh, overhanging branch and it'd just be hanging there oh that's great i'm like what the fuck that's not fishing <laughs> what is it called when you fish like when you actually do fish bear when you put like the bait or whatever like on your oh, finger and it bites your hand yes what's that called there's a name for that oh, do you know the name of that no I, I don't know the name of it but that was creepy somebody because i was us. reaching my hand in this like hole <laughs> and they have huge catfish dude and they're like all did it fucking e- grab you yeah i grabbed one inside its mouth and then i got weirded out and then i let it go <laughs> i see i can't i could not do that i could not put my hand in a dark freaking cavern expecting it was, it was some sketchy. creature to bite it. i was a kid really? too so i was like you know i was a little more hesitant yeah i wouldn't that. do that shit <laughs> you're afraid of the loch ness monster yeah, or something you don't yeah, wanna, yeah. that's why you don't want to swim <laughs> don't take me those. monster <laughs> So did you guys know, uh, apparently, um, anything outside a neutral spine means you'll break in half? Oh, God. <laughs> it will snap you. You'll we, die. Are we bringing um, this up again? Dude, I ah. have to. Well, here's going to be like the butt of the joke. I told Sal we need to do like a, a video of like, Captain Trainer, yeah. well, stop. You're not in neutral spine. I ha- You're going to die. I have to play what Justin sent over because th- I believe when we just we just talked about this because of the debate you got into on your page. And I was telling you guys, I got on there. I finally got on there after about 200 comments or whatever and put my two cents in. And what a lot of these uh, idiots that were on there that were arguing with you, that they, they keep talking about neutral spine, neutral spine. And anybody who's it up. It places so much stress on the facets of the spine and the sheer force of the blah, blah, blah. And it's like people are not made out of fucking paper. Yeah. You can move in different ways. Well, you don't in, have to stay in, in this fucking in, in in these morons' defense. Here's the thing: this is uh, this is how we were taught, and and that's why I have patience with it. But 
you, what I don't have patience with is when they start attacking you or they start talking shit to you when it's like, okay, first of all, I'm, I'm proud of you for going through whatever schooling you went through to get whatever certifications and whatever degrees or whatever level that you are at mm. in your profession now. But you've obviously stopped continuing to evolve and reading yeah. because if you knew that, you would know that any like all your guys that are on like cutting edge all your mobility specialists that are like now, right now, that are like studying and doing relevant. that, yeah, that are relevant right now, would tell you that neutral spine is something that has been debated for for quite some time now, and it was a hypothesis. It's not even something that has any sort of like facts or for sure. We're not for sure about it at all. And the more and more we learn, and when we look into this, it's like it makes more sense to train the spine in, in in its full articulation, extension, flexion, and moving. So you have control when you're in those positions because in reality, when we move around all day long, nobody's ever in neutral spine. So yeah. here's actually, uh, Justin sent this over. It was great. This is Dr. Spina, so who's Spina, I believe, S-P-I-N-A. Wait, how did he say it's it? Spina. Spina. I always say Dr. Spina, and it's not Spina. It's okay. Spina, and, and it's S-P-I-N-A, and he's, he's one of the specialists and probably one of the leading guys. He's a it, gangster. I, he, I like this guy a lot. Yeah, so do I. Badass. So this for a while there, it was like we wanted our patients and clients to maintain neutral spine all the time, which means have a nice lumbar curve, never get out of neutral spine. You know, you sit down, you go to take a shit, doesn't matter what you do, neutral spine. Now, if you take a joint and you always maintain it in one position, and you ask any therapist this, is that good or bad for the joint? They'd say bad, for the bad the joint. Right. So then I say to them, what do you think is happening at L5S1 if you lock yourself in neutral spine all the time? And then people start to say, yeah, I guess it's not going to be healthy. It's like, okay, where is the co- most common area for degeneration or arthritis? It's at there. L5S1. I mean, it, it's it's right there. It, it's, it's written in our genome, in our code. Think about movement in general. Our brain actually provides us with happy drugs when we move. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he says it very well there. Yeah, you know, uh, always constantly training in neutral spining and being afraid of moving outside of that is not only silly; it's based on uh, faulty theory, which we know now is uh, incorrect. But it's also promoting uh, problems in the mm-hmm. future. You're mm-hmm. actually making it more likely that these people will hurt themselves because they build all this strength and stability in this one position. It's too fixed. And when they go in the real world and go to move, they're really strong in one position. They move out of that and there's no more strength. What ends mm. up happening? You create instability. Now, yeah. in one the- guy one guy on my page, and he doesn't have a super popular page, but he should because he's very smart. Uh, doubt Me, uh, his, his Instagram page is Doubt Me INC. He completely agreed with what we were talking about and he does a lot of his training around this and when you go on this page, you can see some of it, but there are people that are getting it. Um, it's just that. Well, yeah, you those just like him, and I'm pretty sure because I looked at his page. Uh, I believe he's gone through FRC. So, oh, okay. you know, a lot of people that are on new, like new cutting edge science, or that people that are learning that are like mobility specialists now, like a like a Doctor Brink or like a Spina or like the guy you just just brought up. These guys are are reading like the new stuff that's coming out right now with with mobility and functionality mm-hmm. and uh, physical therapy and all that stuff. So. 
you know, that's in, in, in the defense of these guys real quick before we go too far this way, because now I don't want to like people go like, what? So you're saying neutral spinal alignment's right, bad? Right, right. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's bad, nor is Sal, nor is Justin. Like, we're not saying that it's bad. All I'm saying is the, the guy got a bunch of people got on Sal's page, a bunch of academia knuckleheads got on there and started talking shit about the way he was teaching a, a, a plank. And the problem with with it is the the way that what they were all trying to say was that there was all this crazy stress on the on the spine in, in, in the thoracic region and it's it was just literally laughable it is it's very laughable it's, it would be like saying that a cat cow is dangerous yeah. right you know yeah. to do a movement like a cat cow which is an excellent movement for us to do uh is dangerous because of the the gravity that's pulling down and, and it's just like the like, shearing that's somebody what I mean. referred to saying it was shearing force yeah. on your spine like what the fuck oh, like that's what i mean it's like anything outside of that is so horribly <laughs> dangerous that you can never move outside of it that's uh, the mentality that they have which is so silly well and in fact the times that you should actually go in full flexion and extension would be times like that that would be a great way to challenge and strengthen and articulate the spine is in a position like that right you shouldn't be doing that deadlifting 500 yeah, pounds or top like loaded you, with weight yeah, on your back squatting like that. squatting with 400 pounds on your back absolutely we're, we're, no. we're concerned about neutral spine and you want you want to make sure that that weight is evenly distributed and it's not putting a lot of pressure and you've even seen strongmen lift atlas stones yeah what's your answer to that exactly they're completely rounded in the the thoracic region right and forward and it's in it's inflection so i I, it's so it's ridiculous to me to hear these guys and when they come out attacking it's like i'm okay with you coming in and and like putting your two cents in or asking questions or getting in a good educational debate about things and and going back and forth with with theories and hypothesis with which a lot of this stuff still is Mm -hmm. because we're always evolving changing but when you start talking in certainties and you start attacking uh, oh man just you're such a fuck it makes you look stupid i do like the fact that we tend to piss everybody off though yeah. uh we pissed off the bros you're onto something we're pissing off academia mm-hmm. uh, so we're equal equal opportunity pisser offers yeah yeah i was uh, i always am worried about uh i'm always worried about academia because i i know that um oh they're they're here's the thing the bro science people, the the supplement industry, as much as they've come after us, they're not going to fight very hard. Academia will come after us yeah, much they harder. Way harder. They or, are the fucking litigi- they're, coming, they're litigious. They're fucking uh, like don't. It's like their gospel. Don't mess with what we say. I mean, it it, it gets ugly with them. Yeah, yeah and that's and it, it's a little more. I mean, uh, smashing some bro on bro science is easy. You know, saying like <laughs> that that's not challenging, but it, it is a little challenging when you've got academia coming after because they they bring up good points. And mm. and stuff that we believe for a very long time, it's fucking in textbooks. It wouldn't be there if uh, it didn't have some sort of validation, or we didn't think it was true for decades. So those people, when they when they come after us, you know, it's a it's a little bit uh, a little more challenging to get your point across. And you know, one thing that will always reign true with our show, and we've always said that, you know, if there's something that we're wrong on, you you're, you better damn well believe that we'll come forward and say, mm. like, none of, none of us have got egos in here. Where if somebody comes out and says, well, no this isn't safe or this isn't right. This is wrong for these reasons. And you explain to me like, you know, like, Hey, this is why. And then I go, okay, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. I understand that. If you have a very strong argument. We're 100% open to listening to yeah. it. That's always the case. You just have to, yeah. I mean, there, it has to be a conversation. You can't just make it a one way thing. Yeah, exactly. But <gasps> look at his spine. It's not a neutral. Ah! <laughs> we call. Go ahead, Chimera Quad!
Today's Quaz is being brought to you by Chimera Coffee. It's the only coffee that is infused with all natural nootropics for a cleaner, calmer, and more focused buzz without the crash. Click the Chimera link at mindpumpmedia.com and input the discount code MINDPUMP at checkout for 10% off. It's the motherfucking Quaz. The eagle has landed. Our first question is from Buck315. What are your fellas' thoughts on squats and deadlifts in bare feet instead of heels and chucks? Excellent. It is an excellent, excellent question. Excellent question. Mm. So, so definitely, uh, so let's start about, let's start with deadlifts because that's a little easier. Deadlifts are best done. Really? With, yeah. I'll, 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 I don't yeah. think it matters. Huh? I don't think it well, matters. Well, let me, let me start with deadlifts because. Yeah, okay. Let me hear, let me hear. Uh, deadlifts require a little bit less, um, you know, ankle mobility. Uh, they're, you know, once you get in a deadlift, flat foot is is almost always the best. So you want flat-soled shoes. If you go barefoot, that's fine too. It's a little easier to do them barefoot. It requires less mobility. A squat, a barbell squat in very flat shoes and then barefoot requires higher levels of mobility than okay. a deadlift. Excellent point. Which is why in the past I've used an even partially advocated for squat shoes. Um, that being said, the goal, really, honestly, the goal should be, and my, my position has changed a little bit on this um, recently, your goal should be to be able to do squats and deadlifts with good form, with good weight, and good control barefoot, Yeah. ideally. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be able to do it now, and it doesn't mean you should try it right away. It's like the people that learn how to run, uh, you know, people who advocate running barefoot. It takes a long time to get you to that point because you're in shoes 90% of the time. Your shoes likely have some kind of a heel to them, especially if you're a woman mm-hmm. uh, most of the time. And so taking them off and going barefoot and then trying to do uh, you know, a big movement like a barbell squat may put you in some trouble. So you may want to start with some heel elevation, either some kind of you know uh, squat shoes or you know, I used to lift weights and hiking boots almost. Um, and then slowly progress yourself to the like point. A little two by four underneath. Yeah, you know, two by four under your heels, so you can sit back and sit down in your in your squat a little better. Um, and then over time, work yourself to the point to where you can do them in completely flat shoes. And then can you do them barefoot? But you gotta you gotta keep this in mind when you're progressing this way. As you start to progress, you're going to likely have to regress the amount of weight mm. that you're using. You can't just go from squatting. 200 pounds with squat shoes to squatting. Okay, now I'm going to do this barefoot uh, because you're going to run into problems. What you should probably do is cut the weight in half and perfect your your, your form without that support, and then slowly build yourself up. I'm in that process right now. Like I haven't worn, yeah. I haven't worn a weight belt or squat shoes in uh, maybe two or three months now at all. Three months at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've backed way off on the weight. And slowly working my way up to my old, you know, strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I didn't do that, if I just l- kept the weight the same and just went with really flat shoes and no belt, um, I'm pretty sure I, I would have hurt myself by this point. So yeah. that's kind of where I stand with with some of that. Yeah, I'm a little mixed on the uh, squat shoe thing, and 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 you know how that got popular, and you know, really, I only saw them specifically for Olympic lifting for a long period of time. Um, just because, I mean, what are your thoughts on then taking somebody and specifically focusing on say box squats for depth versus, you know, crutching somebody with squat shoes and elevating the heel, 
in order because really what you're trying to do is achieve more depth in your squad. Well, that's yeah. you're saying exactly right, which it's a crutch. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw. So this is like the reason why I picked this question is because it's something that I'm going through right now. And yeah, because for a second there, we were we were using squat shoes and we were like, whoa, it, this well, feels amazing. And you you hit it beautifully because yeah. it's OK. So I just I just recently did a post. And you can see, like, I'm asked to grass squatting, and my form is is far from perfect, but it's gone. It's come a long ways in the last two years. But I'm still, and in that picture, I'm wearing squat shoes and I have a belt. So, and I I point that out. You know, I'm still wearing my high heels and my belt, so still have my crutch, but improving. So, what had happened to me? And I'm going out in the town. <laughs> so when I when I first started I really getting back into squatting, I was in squat shoes, and I wasn't really able to break parallel. So my first goal when I started, when I really started getting after Maps Green, was to improve my mobility. And little bit after month after month after month, I started increasing my mobility and getting deeper and deeper into my squats. And then I was progressing so good, I was getting so excited that I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Not only am I getting deeper now, now I can drop these shoes. So then I dropped the shoes, and I'm going deeper and deeper. And then I was getting so excited, I'm like, "Now I'm getting deep. I'm in my chucks, and on top of that, I'm starting to increase my weight." So. I was squatting, I think, 315, which is not a lot of weight for me, super deep, but it's it's good amount of weight. And it was enough that I aggravated something in my hip flexor groin area. And I had done this multiple times because I, I was progressing so fast and I wasn't allowing my body to get mm -hmm. caught up and adapt. Mm -hmm. And I, I was getting overconfident with this newfound mobility that I had. I was so excited that I could get that deep and I was so excited that I didn't have to have shoes. And then I started pushing myself with weight and depth and no shoes and I paid the price. Wow, that's interesting. So this is why you see me back in my shoes again. Now mm -hmm. I've got this and, it, and it's already helping. Like I haven't aggravated, I've completely healed in that, in that that area and I've been able to get really deep but I still kind of need my shoes so my goal again is to get back to where I'm getting in the, that deep of a position with you know lighter weight first and comfortable but the ultimate goal is always f flat shoes or or bare feet uh, some gyms won't even allow you to squat bare feet so obviously uh, if you're in a golds or a basic 24 uh, they're they're going to come over and say some shit to you if you're in bare feet. So chucks just wear are, flat shoes. Yeah, chucks are pretty damn close. But uh, you, you know you get you got to consider this. Uh, it takes a long time to progress mobility uh, properly. It takes a while. Yeah, you'll see progress, but like Adam said, uh, you'll get you you don't get overconfident and push things because yeah. you'll set yourself up for problems. You got to remember this, okay? You think about all day long how what percentage of the day are you walking around and doing things in shoes and what percentage of the day are you doing things barefoot mm -hmm. it's probably like 95 percent to five percent or something something silly like that so to think that you're going to go to the gym and just boom progress right to barefoot or flat squat you know flat shoot squats uh with heavy weight um is inaccurate you got to give yourself time and again i'm going to go back to the whole barefoot running thing like People, the barefoot running craze got real big about, I don't know, five, eight years ago, maybe. And then people were, and then people were coming out of that bandwagon going, oh, at first I loved it, but then I hurt myself. So now I'm wearing these super, you know, padded shoes. And the reason is it's not because running barefoot is bad. It's because you didn't give yourself enough time. Yeah. Like you've got weak, underdeveloped feet. You've got poor recruitment patterns for yeah. running barefoot. And so you've got to give yourself time. It takes a long time. So I've, I've given myself and I'm giving myself that much time to do so. So first thing I did was I eliminated my, my belt. 
Then I eliminated the shoes. I went way lighter on the weight. I changed my stance. Mm -hmm. And little by little, I'm working my way up. Right now, the most I've done in chucks with no belt for a single rep is about 320 pounds in the squat. That's a good maybe 60, 70 pounds lighter than I would do with my squat shoes and belt. Mm. Um, and I know I can go heavier if I push the weight, but not. I don't think my mobility is at that point to where mm. I can do so. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, so you there. end up what happened to me. Which yeah, is, exactly. Which is so common for us trainers. I mean, this is a totally, I get all excited because I know what I'm doing and I know I'm, I, I set a goal. I'm going to get more mobile. I'm going to get a deeper squat. And like, and I, I don't know if you guys remember me, you know, sending you guys pictures and talking like every week. Like, look at dude, I got a, I got a six Just inch. pushing it. Yeah, six inch stance. I'm depth. Look at that. Oh, 275 on my back now. Oh, 315. And I just kept pushing it and pushing it and getting excited about my progression in, in my mobility. And sure as shit, I paid the price. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit of an epiphany here. It's interesting. We talk about nutrition and we talk about how people only use the metric of weight loss or weight gain and how that's a problem, right? Let's, let's take that now and apply it to your workout. When you look at your workouts and your training, many of us, if not most of us, solely focus on the metric of how much weight we're able to lift. Yeah. It's about uh I can by lift, any means. Yeah, like oh, I lifted more weight, therefore I've progressed. Yeah. It is not the only metric. It is one of many, many metrics. And if you used the same weight but you moved down an inch further or you changed your stance or you went from the same weight to flat shoes or you even lightened the load but went deeper with flat shoes, you didn't go down. You didn't regress. You actually still progressing. Yep. That is another metric you need to pay attention to. Yeah. You need to be just as excited about that progress as you are as if you added 15 pounds to your squat. Well, and also, like you know, Adam mentioned with with his wrist positioning, you know, and being able to keep that tight fist in uh, just every little checkpoint. Like yes. what, what what tends to uh, uh, fail on your way down into depth and into position. Great and then point. Also, like coming out of the hole. Like there's all these little nuanced things that if you really pay closer attention to what's going on in these complex lifts, uh, you're going to get a lot more out of it. You know, great point because he's now he's referring to when we were demoing the behind the neck shoulder press. Well, or no, the I, squat. I talked about it. Uh, someone on my page just mm-hmm. recently on that same squat that oh, I'm okay. talking about asked about my because he he's been reading books that we referred him to Uh-oh. and he was like. You know, they were talking, Mark Ripto was talking about your wrist placement in the squat and you can see my wrists are broken. And he was pointing that out and asking me if there's benefits to what I was doing and why I was doing that. And I said, well, fuck, I'm doing it because I don't have the mobility. Like, I should be there. You know, I want to be there. That's that's part of my goal. And, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know. I uh, very few people and I get a handful of guys that that get it and girls that get it that will comment and say stuff to me on my page every once in a while. But these are the things I talk about on my page. I don't get a lot of like fucking kudos because I'm not fucking Bradley Martin. I'm not squatting 600 pounds and six foot three guy like that's fucking super impressive and cool. Like I'm always talking about these little things that are going on. It's like, you know, and people see me squatting with 315 on my back. Well, they see me do 405. So that's not impressive. So I don't get a like it's Mm -hmm. like whatever. But it's what I, I but I talk about what's going on like you know this is a big victory for me my depth my mobility no aches no pains like i'm working on this i'm working on that and i talk about other things of progression but because it doesn't reflect in these huge like weight yeah. gains and it's not like no one gives a shit it's like no one cares it's not a big micro and i want people to understand this too because a lot of you listening are, are aesthetic focused or just want to build bigger muscles or get better shape or whatever 
if you progress in mobility, you'll get those as well because your body's working differently. It's moving differently. You're doing things you couldn't do before. Mm-hmm. So just increasing weight, yes, you get stronger, you build muscle, but also increasing mobility and range of motion and control will do that as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Adam or myself who've now backed off on our weight because now we're working on squatting without squat shoes, without a belt, with better depth. Now that we're going lighter, it's not like I've lost muscle. It's right. not like my body looks worse. If anything, I'm noticing better improvements in the way my body looks and well, besides you know, the way it moves. We, we always kind of bring it back to like, uh, you know, the performance coaches and, and, and these programs with high performance, like Olympic lifting type athletes that, um, you know, like they are using tools like goniometers and, and things like that to measure, you know, have, have like actual metrics for, for how much more range of motion you've oh. increased. And um, like they're paying attention to these kind of details and you just don't see that. Uh, in anything else uh, fitness related uh, besides performance. And I feel like um, it's the micro details. Like people just, they want to take things on that. Well, how much did I move today? Mm -hmm. How, you know, where's my weight at? You know, it's like, it's so general, but when you, when you can really just stop and this is why I think I'm more of a fan of like, if you're going to do a program and, uh, you know, and, and try and keep it as simple as possible, if you can keep it to like, you know, four or five lifts and just master those. Like you're going to be so much better off than doing just a bunch just of them running around the gym like an idiot. It's true, and you know it's uh, God, man, very. It, it, it always blows me away. I tell you what, uh, it's a huge ego check when you go and you start to focus on uh, working on the mobility aspect of your training because you do have to lighten the load. Like you know, when it comes to deadlifts, conventional style uh, alternate grip for me with the belt on, I could always pull. 500 plus pounds. I get my body weight down to 187 pounds and I'm going to pull 525 off the floor. Strong as shit. No problem. I had to take the belt off, focus on using a hook grip so that both hands are pronated because I noticed having that alternate grip. I I, I definitely had an imbalance because I couldn't lift as much with my left hand supinated as I could with my right. So boom, red flag. There's an imbalance there. I should be able to do both. So I eliminated the supinated grip, the, the alternate grip. I went to a hook grip and the belt. I noticed that when I took the belt off, I did not feel as comfortable pulling anything over 450 pounds. Oh, and sumo, sumo style deadlifts. I just felt uh, horribly blocked in my hips. I just didn't have the hip mobility. So I completely stopped doing conventional deadlifts with an alternate grip and, and a belt. Went, took the belt off, hook grip, sumo style deadlifting. Now I don't go heavier than 400 pounds, but I'm slowly getting myself better and better and better. And I know by the end of the year, when I go back to my conventional deadlifts without the belt, I'll be as strong, if not stronger, with a hook grip and without a belt. And not only not only am I seeing improvements in mobility, but I'm building muscle as a result. And I'm using less weight, mm-hmm. so it's not it's it's hard because there's an ego check, right? Like right. I'm used to pulling five plates. Now I'm down to four plates or three plates. You got to check your ego. But when you get over that that when you start to get over that hump and just say, okay, whatever, I'm just going to work on these two th- you know these these things over here. Um, your workouts really progress at a new level and you feel the difference. You see the difference. It just, it takes you to check your ego. And even at this level, even, if, even as long as I've been doing it, it's a tough t- thing to do. Well, I think it's smart. It's a smart strategy for you to continue going along this fitness journey too, because it's man, if you were somebody like any of us in this room who have been lifting for 15 plus years of your life, man, if you were solely hooked on weights and strength gains or even like aesthetic gains, like, that's that could be a very daunting journey. That's a long time to see incremental changes in in strength or a little bit better physique or like that. So it's I look at it as 
you know, like a big victory for me right now. I'm not in the best aesthetic shape of my life, but what I am right now, I'm in the best shape with the least amount of work. I've never been in as good a shape as I am with the least amount of effort inside the gym, which to me, that's a big victory. It means that I've really honed in on the things that my body is responding well to. I'm not having to kill myself inside the gym. I go in, I do some things that that are super effective and my body responds well to. And it's nice. I have great balance in my life. Now, I'm not in the best shape of my life. So if I post a picture on Instagram or social media and say, look at me, it's like, so what? You know, no big deal. But for me, it's a big deal. You know, for me, it's a big win. I think getting people to understand that, that there's other things that are involved than just how shredded are you or how much weight are you lifting? There's other things that you want to be thinking about that we're always trying to progress. That being said, that doesn't mean that, too, like we're, we would knock somebody who's wearing shoes or wearing a belt or things like that. The goal ultimately is to not have to utilize any crutches or any tools like that, be able to do everything, you know, barefoot, barehanded, all that. But, you know, you, you need to progress there because if you come in and you don't have the mobility or the flexibility to do things like that. And because you heard someone like us on the radio say, oh, yeah, you want to be able to do barefoot. Well, that could also get you hurt if you're not it's ready. True. For it. And I think the key is to, to look at those things as tools and not as a crutch. Right. There's a big difference there. That's it, a good point. It's a tool that you can use and use it wisely, but not as a crutch. And at the end of the day, you know, what really convinced me at the end, because I was always like always deadlifted and a belt heavy. And at the end of the day, I thought to myself, you know, what good is the strength if I can't summon it without my weight belt? You know, if I can't maximally use all this strength that I have, that I know I have. If you don't have your big ass belt. If I don't have my big ass belt. like (laughs) You start wearing your belt everywhere. That's what I'm saying. It's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of interesting, right? Like, what if I got to lift something? I mean, I don't know. It just, it just felt, it didn't feel as. I've always had that mentality. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, that's something, especially if you're just starting out in the gym, I try as hard as I can to steer people away from, you know, wrist wraps, belts, uh, anything like you, you know, you need to build the pattern first. You need to build the grip strength to even pick the weight up. And if you don't have that, then you don't get it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. earned. Yep, yep. And your body will respond from then on out so much better uh, than going up to, you know, those tools that are meant for really high performance, really heavyweight, you know, situations. Well, it's like the, the golf analogy I've given before, too. It's like taking somebody who has uh, been golfing for 10 years on their own and then they go see a, a professional teach them and their mechanics and their habits are so bad that they have to regress them and it takes forever. You're far better off. You get somebody who has never golfed in their life before and you teach them good patterns and good mechanics right from the gate. That person's going to end up being a better golfer than the guy who's been golfing for 10 years on his own with yeah. all the poor mechanics that have to go back and but relearn. it takes longer yeah and, right. and it's demotivating for, it, for a lot of people it's so true. i could see why people jump into that as like well i want to see how much i can you know squat with a belt and let's get you know let's hey, get man, heavier i got caught up on that yeah. and not to go too off subject but i do want to make a comment on something that uh I, that really just completely changed my my thoughts on this particular uh tool and that's the uh the power plates the vibrating uh, the vibrating machines in the gym oh yeah mm-hmm. i i used to make fun of them um, because I'd see people doing all these exercises and stuff uh, and stuff on them. They have one at the club sport that we go to, and I use it to get myself kind of ready to do squats or deadlifts, and that thing vibrates the shit out of you, right? And I notice that it gets my central nervous system to chill, and I can get into really, really deep squats and positions with it that I normally would take me mm-hmm. 10, 15, 20 minutes of warm-up just to get into, and then I can get in my squat very amazing tool. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep messing with that thing and, and have more comments on it later on. But so far, I'm sold on the on the whole 
you know, using it from for, a mobility perspective. From a mobility perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'm sold on spending you know, $10,000 on one, but no. I mean, it, interesting. It, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting for that. Talia Ray is asking, why no cardio for you dudes? <laughs> Are there no benefits exclusive to cardio that you might be missing? I think the only the only one of us that gives that impression is probably Adam because you always talk about how you don't do cardio. Yeah, I, I used cardio. to on my posts. I used to be like write all my stats and then at the bottom zero cardio. Yeah, yeah. you know. Well, and let you me did that for a specific reason. Let's be honest, because that was the the hustle they, for it, that whole thank you community. Thank you. So that was the the main reason why I make such a point of it is to is to be the the counter of all the people that think you got to do cardio to get it in crazy shape. I wanted people to see that, watch, I can do no cardio and put myself in the most elite level of aesthetic shape and not ever get on a fucking treadmill. So really, that is the point of it. It's not to knock people who do cardio or anything like that. It's just, you know, the fitness industry has has, uh, given this impression with cardio for so long that people think like, oh, if you want to lose fat, you do cardio. Yeah, it's necessary. If you want to build muscle, you lift weights. If you want to burn fat, you do cardio. And that's kind of like the the formula for uh, getting in shape. And that's absolutely wrong in so many ways. And so part of my message of always kind of talking shit about cardio and stuff like that, it's more along those lines. I'm not knocking somebody for that also though uh you know the other side of why i'm i'm hard about cardio is that when you do something especially intense cardio because when we're talking about cardio i'm assuming that we're talking about either hit or like steady state or repetitive type of uh movement like that um i'm not a big fan because i know that a majority of people especially those of us that are 30 plus years old have a lot of imbalances on their body and while they're running on a treadmill all they're doing is continually to uh reestablish this poor connection that they have and these imbalances and i think that that client who's spending 20 to 30 minutes doing cardio would be far more beneficial to be doing mobility movements and fixing any of their imbalances they're going to burn calories and they're going to fix posture alignment to me, uh, that is way more important than cardio. I mean, cardio, sure, you can argue that it's good exercise uh, for the heart, strengthens the heart because the heart's a muscle and you're basically exercising it by doing that. But that's about fucking it. Yeah, I think if you look at cardio, you can break it down into three uh, purposes for doing the cardiovascular activity. One, it's to improve. Uh, you can use cardio to improve uh, cardiovascular endurance. So if you're an athlete um, and you play a sport or you're a runner or whatever, cardio is necessary to an extent to improve upon uh, VO2 max and to improve upon you know your ability to recover between intense bouts of you know cardiovascular activity. Uh, most of you listening are not in that category. Mm-hmm. Number two, uh, doing cardio because it burns calories. I want to lose body fat. Cardio on a minute by minute basis does burn more calories. Uh, than resistance training. However, resistance training is superior in altering your metabolism so that you burn more calories on your own. So if it's if you're just doing cardio to burn body fat, it's not very not a very efficient and effective way to do it. Resistance training is actually more effect, effective. And yeah, I saw a post this morning that said you know cardio is uh, manually burning calories, weight training is automatically. That burning. was Jessica. Oh, Jessica's that's your post. Yeah, 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 at yeah. the training hour. Um, the the third reason you do cardio is to uh, benefit your health. Cardiovascular activity does have some health benefits. However, most of those health benefits are in the the kind of chill type of cardio, like going for a walk or doing a hike or doing a swim. 
Nothing super intense. The super intense cardio is great for the cardiovascular endurance. Mm -hmm. I can argue that you can gain good cardiovascular endurance with resistance training as well if you want to cut rest periods and do conditioning type movements uh, as part of your routine as well. Calisthenics does does that well. Uh, Burpees does that well. Um, You know, you're not building strength with those, but you are building that 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 kind of you know endurance. I just think cardio is. I do cardio, but I do it. For meditative purposes, I do it for just it feels good. I'll, I'll do my reading while I'm doing cardio. Sometimes I'll go on walks. I'm not trying to build tons of endurance. If I want conditioning, uh, I'll do a separate routine in the gym that's conditioning based. Um, you know, I know I'm not building strength while I'm doing it, so don't get me wrong. I'm not doing the whole like you know, you know, combine 50 different you know weight training exercises type of deal. It's very specific, but you know, I'll do things like kettlebell swings or jump rope or you know, sledgehammer stuff, you know, things like that to build uh, conditioning type endurance. Well, but I'm not against cardio. I, I I do it pretty regularly, but I do it from a more meditative standpoint. And I don't do it to get leaner. If I want to get leaner, I adjust my nutrition. Yeah, it, it's interesting how my view has changed, uh, you know, coming from athletics and um, especially the hustle everybody has of cardio being the answer to lose fat and like, um, you know, uh, equate it to law of thermodynamics where like throughout my day, like at least if my cardio, I got to burn another five to 800 calories here. So then I can counter that to what I'm eating. And then it becomes this, this, you know, catch up game that people are always playing with themselves that I feel is it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy to live that way. And, and the argument for just, increasing activity all day long is so much stronger and so much more compelling to me, uh, especially for longevity, uh, for, you know, joint uh, proper function and, and health. And um, it, unless, you know, here's how I look at cardio now. So I, I'll do cardio and I, I'm one of the, probably the guys in here that will do the most uh, high intensity forms of cardio. However, I do that more as a skill. So I'm what I'm doing is is I I want to like because I enjoy it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do like uh, jump ropes or I'm gonna uh, you know sledgehammer tire strikes. You know I'm gonna I'm gonna do specific things where I'm I'm expressing movement and power. It's all movement related because I want to be able to move explosively. Mm-hmm. And so um, you know I'll incorporate that and I'll phase in and out as as a skill. I'm gonna work on this for a while and make sure my body can move and respond the way I want it to. And um, you know, like, and I've also found that as far as movement, I don't need to run and, and cut and, and do all these drills like I used to do in athletics. What's been more beneficial for my movement has been mobility. And that that was a sort of epiphany that I that I had that um, it showed when I went to to go play in this this dumb game where I'm like hey, I'm 36 years old and I haven't played in a really high intensity sport in over well over a decade and all I did leading up to it did no conditioning not not only that I had the flu for like a week and a half leading up to it with no conditioning all I did was mobility drills very light stuff and then got in and I was just blown away by uh, the movement I was able to produce and I paid for it after I was done, <laughs> no doubt, but I performed at a high level, no injuries either with no injury. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really, that's, what's really impressive when you think about that, to be able to do something like that, that explosive and contact sport and not get hurt at 36 is probably the most, you know, the other thing about 
cardio is uh, we we talk a lot about justin touched on it a little bit is neat you know mm-hmm. neat is uh like he said just far there's there's so much more coming out as far as the benefits of that and just learning to be active all day if i had to choose for my client you know hey one hour of cardio uh, a day and then you go at your desk and you sit at a desk all day long you sit in your car all day long and the only bit of real activity you have is your one hour of intense cardio or I have a client who at every hour goes and walks for 10 minutes. I would much rather have that client who goes and walks for 10 minutes at every hour than the one client who'd bust their ass for an hour. It's going to be far more beneficial for their body than sitting in this fixed sedentary position all day long. And not just from a calorie, fat, fat burning, but a mobility, neurological point. There's so many things that are more beneficial to just getting around and moving throughout the day and it doesn't have to be a high intensity it's just one of those things it's like uh you know resistance training is very specific mm-hmm. there's specific techniques specific things you're training you're working on particular movement patterns when you people schedule cardio it's like this mindless get on a machine and blah 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 and do the same thing over and over again it's like just go out go move you don't have to do that yeah like that's cardio is easy Cardio, you don't need a gym to do cardio. Just go for a walk. Go to the mall. Walk around for 45 well, and, minutes. And really, I mean, no and, joke. And even better than all those, like I said originally, which is I, I would much now I would tell a client, like I would rather you spend 20 minutes repatterning your, your connections that are poor. You know, almost everybody is suffering from uh, either upper or lower cross syndrome and have these imbalances that I have a, a, a plethora of exercises for you to do that are band- with bands or body weight or just some yeah. uh, passive stretches that you're doing that are going to help correct these imbalances, which are going to be so much more for you with longevity and feeling better and feeling healthier than anything ever could compare to getting on a treadmill and running for 20 minutes. That's like ridiculous. Not to mention... What's nice is because I know I talk shit like I don't do any cardio. No, I do. I just got I got ready for Maui. And guess what I get to do two weeks before going to Maui? I can get on a treadmill. And guess what? My body responds like a motherfucker to cardio because I don't do it because it doesn't know what 30, 45 minutes of running on a treadmill looks like. So you better believe when I go and do that, my body starts responding like crazy because it's not used to it. It's not adapted to that yet. Our bodies only take about two to three weeks to get adapted to whatever cardio modality that you're doing. So if you're somebody who loves to get on the Stairmaster, loves to get on your elliptical, or loves to do your treadmill, or loves to do your trail run. Do something different. All the fucking time. Guess what? Your body has become so efficient at that, you ain't doing much. You think you're doing a bunch because you might be getting hot and sweaty. You ain't doing much. And not only that, but uh, over time, uh, adaptive thermogenesis happens where your body slows its metabolism down Mm -hmm. uh, to compensate. Because cardio... Cardio doesn't send the signal to speed up the metabolism. Cardio uh, just burns calories. Resistance training sends... Well, you could argue it sends the opposite signal. It it sends the opposite signal. Resistance training sends a speed up the metabolism signal because you're giving your body a reason to have more of this calorically expensive tissue called muscle. Cardiovascular activity doesn't do that. and So constantly doing lots and hours and hours of cardio every single day, it tells your body that it needs to be very efficient at conserving calories. And it does this through a burning muscle... Uh, or not, excuse me, not burning muscle, but making you lose muscle because you don't really burn it. You lose it. And B, just the vet, just slowing you down in general so that when you do that cardio now, you're at the same caloric, total caloric burn as you were before. Uh, so you, you've just slowed down your metabolism. And this is why people plateau so hard with cardio mm-hmm. and they don't with resistance training in the same way. So Chase Smith is asking, what changes have you seen in the gym over the last decade? Excellent. 
Hmm. I love this. I've been in gyms now professionally for almost 20 years, uh, non-professionally probably 23 years. And uh, the first, my first gym membership, you know, I think I was 16 years old or 15 years old. I was in there all the time and I haven't stopped since. I've been in gyms every single week since then, since I was 15 or 16 years old uh, for long periods of time, seven days a week. Lived in gyms, worked in gyms, worked with people in gyms, and I've paid close attention to the different trends in the way gyms look. When I first started working out in gyms, this is what they look like. And by the way, I'm in California, and so we tend to be ahead of the curve. So trends will happen here, and then they start to spread everywhere else. But when I was first in gyms, this is they had machines, they had free weights, they had a women's area, and they had a men's area. The women's area had the same machines as the men's area, except the weight stack didn't go up as high, and the color of the the upholstery on the on the equipment was different mm-hmm. uh the women's area didn't have free weights it was just machines mm-hmm. uh there were uh area parts of the gym were segregated you had cardio room uh free weight room a machine room you had racquetball rooms it was all broken up and segregated then i saw the next uh the next progression was no more um no more women's only parts of the gym that fell out of favor and so men and women kind of started working out together. Then I saw the hammer strength revolution. This is where hammer strength came on the scene and you saw plate loaded equipment was like the big thing. I remember when they all started coming out and it wasn't the weight stacks. It was like who could get the most plate loaded type exercise equipment and somehow this was better than machines. It was actually the same thing. It's right. just using plates instead of and they had different, you know, movement patterns, but it really wasn't that different, but it became the big thing. Then it became big to have the whole gym be all in one room. So gyms became very, very open. Uh, cardio machines used to be facing TVs. And then all of a sudden, cardio machines were facing the free weight area because they discovered that people like to watch people more than they like to watch TV when yeah, doing we're cardio. All creeps. Yeah. And, uh, and so you saw some of that. Like, <laughs> now I'm starting to see. Uh, more squat racks and gyms. I'm starting to see bumper plates, kettlebells, a little bit of turf in like 24-hour fitness is throwing turf in their gyms. Uh, you're starting to see these jungle gym type apparatuses and gyms, uh, you know, with a TRX hanging off of it and maybe a, a punching bag on one end and, mm-hmm. you know, monkey bars in the other end. So uh, lots of change. Gyms don't look anything like they did when I used to. Uh, and now when I go into a gym... Uh, and I see like an old Nautilus machine, the nostalgia just washes over me and I have to use that fucking machine. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, oh my God, a Nautilus pullover machine. I haven't uh, seen this thing in 15 years. You know, it's so, just like the old like branded supplements that you love. Oh, it's like, oh, I got to eat it. Yeah. Well, well, since grandpa took that question and answered pretty much fucking everything, <laughs> Jesus Christ, didn't leave you anything for me. He, I will, I will say one thing. So he took uh, us on a journey. Yeah, he did. I mean, how accurate was that? Though? Well, yeah, right? no, no, yeah. You, you, you nailed all but one. That's why I'm going to come in here and save the day. Oh, a little I know bit. What about the group no, classes? No. So this is, uh, I think 20, 24-hour fitness is a great place to watch. You want to watch a company who is always trying to stay on the trends, yes. right? Uh, they they are a money making machine. They uh, as far as their um, integrity with 
uh, how great of a company or trainers they produce or that they could give two shits. They're about pumping people in and out of that place and making money and they're fucking Shit, good. They were the first to introduce the body bug in, into rotation. Yeah, and they are good at what they do for sure. And anytime I used to always tell people when I worked for the company, like someone would say, oh, check out this new thing that's coming. I'm like, I'm not even tripping because I know my company. We're going to have that in our gym within six months. And I'll remember like the first, remember when uh, like, the curves trend came and the big curves when the circuit training was like the El Nana. Next thing you know, 24 has got yeah, a little room. There's a whole 24, section there. 24 Fitness yeah. makes the express zone. They have an express zone <laughs> yeah. now and it's yeah. the same thing that, but it's colored blue and yellow and then it's a circuit <laughs> training with numbers and There'd we always whole, be some poor soul oh, like just stuck in one of those machines holding everybody up. Still running the express and then zone. everybody coming up to complain, ah, he's, and, not, he's not moving. And uh, the company would roll out pamphlets for us and we'd I'm have sorry. this big old brochure that showed people the science behind it and we used to close people on how great it was but in reality it was just brilliant marketing we saw the the fitness industry or that the fitness company saw where the industry was going so they made sure they took care of it then 24 fitness sees uh which you see kind of right now like your orange theories and all these small little group type setting classes so now they have this opportunity where you can hire a trainer and five to ten people can go go around with them and they teach these little mini boot camps within the gym and that's I forget what they call it now but 24 fitness does that also and that's to kind of combat what you see going Sal touched on the the grass now you see almost every 24 now has a a grassy area with some tires and a bunch of crossfit shit because why because the big crossfit trends going on and they know better than to just sit back and let them take all the people so they took the elements that people love about crossfit like flipping a tire or dragging a sled and they've now incorporated that in most all their it's gyms not crossfit so this is the thing that dry that this is the thing that <laughs> it's been uh, around for a long time is so tough is People see that you have a company that like 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 a like a 24 that, you know, implements something like that. And if you're a young kid who works for them, you know, you get fed all this information on like, oh, this is the way to do this or this is the net. And it's like it's really hard when you're when you're in it. When you're in it to, Dude, to, to, to step away and go like, this is just like the new fad and is this really more about business or is this really what's best the, for my the client? The gym industry, the fitness industry, for, besides supplements, the whole like workout part of the fitness yeah, it industry. it evolves quickly. It is a fad-driven industry. It 100%. is 100% fad-driven. Uh, luckily, we're seeing science start to come in now a little bit. It's becoming more science-driven. But that's still a tiny piece of it. It's still largely fad driven. I can. I, it's so funny. Not, like all these things are coming to my mind now. All the changes I saw. Like uh, when you'd walk into a gym, neon. It was neon lights, neon colors, and it was carpet. Then it turned into sheet metal on the on the walls and fucking uh, rubber flooring. Mm-hmm. Uh, aerobic studios used to be carpet, and and step was the big thing. Step aerobics. Yeah. Um, then they put the you know floors. wood floors, yeah. and then it was ki- cardio Mears kickboxing everywhere. was huge. Yeah. Remember when cardio kickboxing was massive? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it was body pump. It was weight training in an aerobics type environment. It was now it's Soul Cycle, and it's all so now everything is geared Zumba, around Zumba, heart rate because now heart rate all of a sudden it's yeah. the, the Il Nana like oh. Oh, shit, I can see what Susie over there is doing and you know, she's slacking. What about uh what about cardio machines? When I when I first started in gyms, oh, yeah. it was now, now they're like so Well, it was treadmills. This when I first started, yeah. it was treadmills, stairmaster and bike. Stairmasters and bike. Stairmasters were big. Yeah. That was like the big thing. Bikes they were hard as fuck. That's yeah, why. Yeah, I like stairmasters yeah. way better than fucking And now and treadmill. then you had and then Precore came out. 
with yeah. the elliptical trainer. And Zero that, impact. That Excellent shit, for your joints. That shit blew the fuck up. Whoever yeah. invented that, man. The tread climber? A millionaire instantly. The elliptical. Yeah. Oh, no, elliptical. No, 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 no. Remember just, the tread climber? That yeah. came after that. Yes. The elliptical. Yes. And then that would break down like uh, within a week. Yeah. yeah. All the time. Dude. So you see all these different changes. God, man. It's, I know. It's, it's, I love right it. Right in front of your eyes. And then there's even trends in weights. Like when I first started lifting out, it was an iron plate mm-hmm. with a, a lip and a hole in the middle. And then it was all about the the weights with the handle that you could hold. And yeah. then it became about the fucking hexagon weight that sucks. And now that's going away. Thank and it's God. about the round rubber plates yeah. is becoming the big thing. Yeah. When my favorite is the old school freaking metal, you know, just yeah. clanging around, lifting. Yeah. Well, all of us are old It'll school. It'll hurt my, my fingers oh, when I put it away. I love I love looking back at some of those old... Uh, Sometimes the simplest answer is the right one. Do you remember, yeah. though, walking in... It was all it neon. Is. Remember the neon oh, writing? Yeah, I remember Free weights. And then you go to another one. Machines. Yeah. Just, just if you're... You know, I think Chase is a trainer, too. So don't get caught up in all the hype, man. It's... It's changing now. It changed back then. It's going to change again. They're always they're going to follow the money. They're going to follow the money, and you can't hate on them for doing that. It's a it's a it's a billion dollar industry. It's a billion dollar company. Most of them, uh, and they're going to follow wherever wherever the trends are going. Yeah, for a while, uh, racquetball racquetball courts were huge. Oh yeah, those were huge. Then those fell out of favor. Then it was basketball courts. Yeah. Basketball courts are huge. Yeah. Uh, are they still huge? Are, are basketball courts still a big, big driver yeah, of sales? Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Basketball is not going away. That's definitely because all I know is every club I ever managed with a basketball court, all that ever meant was fights, drama. Fights. I always, yeah. always have to break up fights. I know. Sneaking kids in for every free. time. Like, oh, we go oh, new club basketball court. We're Next gonna have to question, fight. Bill. Benny B. Fly. What do you guys think about the way professional athletes currently train? Ooh, sounds like a Justin. Which question. one are we Ooh. talking about here? Well, uh, he he. Uh, I've seen some shenanigans. He referred to the the big. He said especially the big three, like your uh, NFL, uh, MLB, and uh, what do you say? I think I think soccer or something else. But um, for sure, um, it depends. Mm-hmm. It depends on the team, mm-hmm. and it depends on the athlete. Because I, I've seen high school programs that are legit. You know, like a high school program that's got like a badass coach. They've got a badass uh, trainer in the in the facility. Like they're on top of their Some like kind of uh, like American Olympic lifting. Yeah, coach like cutting that's, edge that's programming. Awesome. Like yeah. I mean, and they're like their off seasons legit. Like I've seen that even as low as the high school level. But then I've seen as high as the NFL, where some of these NFL players they go out and they they hire their best friend who just finished his NASM certification and he's personal training him and rehabbing him from like serious fucking injuries. And I see the stuff that they have him doing and it's like mind blowing. And I'm talking like, you know, your Navarro Bowman type guys, like guys at that elite level uh, that will go out and like hire a buddy as a personal trainer. Like it's crazy. Some of these dudes, uh, they do that. And, And I don't know if that's because, you know, and I've you've seen They're like kind of giving back. To yeah, their, like right at your, you want to take care of your buddy, yeah. right? You know what I'm saying? And he he knows more than I you know in that for profession. So you think it's a good idea to hire him, and you're already in great shape, and you're already a badass. So what can your buddy really do? You well, know what? When you think about it, if you're training a professional athlete, it's actually you know for for a long time I thought it would be extremely difficult, mm-hmm. but now that I think about it, it's easy. It's very easy. You take a professional athlete who's already kicking ass. And all you got to do is not fuck them up. Yeah, you tweak Pretty it. Pretty much. No, no, and that's so, it. No, no, just th- don't fuck them up. Well, this is why I I kind of bring up. I think uh, like Mike Boyle, I would probably say probably has the best programming out there as far as like uh, sports and athletics are concerned. Uh, but his major focus is to just pre- like prevention of injury. 
And like his success lies on like, you know, having an entire hockey team go through an entire season and not being injured. He's like smart. Injured. And that's that. I mean, that's that's what I kind of define as far as being a good trainer. When you're at a very high level like that, of course, you want to reach, you know, new levels of performance. But, um, you know, typically uh, at that point, it's more skills driven than anything else. Hundred percent. At that, when you're talking about a professional athlete, somebody who's in their twenties to mid twenties, they're pretty much peaked. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, that's not to say that they can't gain a little bit more on their vertical or a little bit more on their forty. Well, and they're time. full throttle. They're they're redlining. Yeah. Every time they compete. Exactly. So why, why the hell are you going to try and redline them in their training? Yep. That's stupid. Yeah, 100%. So, and, you know, so it really depends. Uh, you know, I remember the NBA uh, aligned with uh, NASM, like, I don't know, over 10 years ago. And I know they have some pretty decent programming and some of it with some of their athletes and stuff. But mm-hmm. it really does depend. I And I think it's a shit show right now. So I don't think there's one formal... Uh, way of doing. Well, things. I think a lot too. Like these these professional teams, they're seeking like the ones that are smart are really seeking like new wave uh, information, and and this is why you see like smart companies like Nike trying to pursue like groundbreaking information out there. Like you know, like Doctor Spinet, I think he's actually uh, uh, intertwined now with Nike, and and like they're trying to do things because. Uh, you know, science, it evolves. And especially in athletics, every little minute detail matters. And so if you can have an edge on another team, uh, so it really, like the franchise itself, a lot of times is responsible for this. Like They're the ones that are going to be out seeking new information and people that are doing it right. And a lot of times it, they're just like sticking with like old barnacle information uh, and then, you know, then you're seeing the results play out on the field. So, you, you know, something you said, Justin, about skill uh, makes a lot of sense, because if you look at certain sports, you look at basketball, for example, what makes those athletes so good at what they do is their level is their skill level. It's not their strength and their speed. Now, are they strong and fast? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. But if it was just strength and speed, then you would have weightlifters and sprinters uh, playing professional basketball and they would be killing it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's about skill. So if I took a bunch of professional basketball players and I magically was able to uh, increase their strength by 50%, boom, you're 50% stronger. Go on, the, go on the court now and go play. Guess what's going to happen to their skill? They're going to suck. Yeah. They're going to suck because they're not used to moving right. with that level it of strength. It alters it. It alters their skill. And so that's a great point that you made. Mm-hmm. It's you know Injury prevention is number one, number two, and number three priorities. And it's not necessarily dramatically improving performance because A, they're already at a high level. And B, if we took them away from their skills training and just improved their, their strength and then they go back and play – their skill is off. And I've seen this even myself when I train in, in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. If I took time off and then would lift, go back to jujitsu, I'd go back much stronger, but my skill would be off almost if I wasn't used, used to my new body. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I won't throw anybody specifically under the bus, but I do. I have seen this play out, you know, a professional football player train like a bodybuilder and then go into the season and have like the shittiest season they've had. Well, didn't yeah. Honey Ramra, didn't he teach uh, <laughs> Vernon Davis? Didn't he coach uh, Vernon Davis for a season? <laughs> <laughs> 
What happened? What happened? <laughs> you know I don't give a fuck. Hey. <laughs> hey. I love yeah. Adam. Did yeah. I ever tell you that, so Well, it's Adam. the same reason why I think it's a joke that he hired, he hired the it's, freaking it's ro- rock joke. hired him, too. It's a joke. It's, you know, it's... it's <laughs> Come it's, on. Like, what are you thinking? Uh, it's the world we live in, man. You know that what I'm pissed saying? me off, man, because I love Vernon Davis. I know. And I love The Rock, too. Yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, sometimes we're misled, and we, people just don't... They don't know, and and, uh, and you can't knock somebody. I mean, fuck, you're, you're, you're not screwing those guys up there they're as far as the bodybuilders i mean they don't have to get out on a field and play football but people think that that type of i mean that's such a specialty right to train somebody for aesthetics for a bodybuilding show and to train somebody for a sport i'll tell you right now like you I, couldn't have two different fucking it's, yeah uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a i'm a sports performance talk about it because i'm a it, sports performance specialist and i still uh don't even consider that my specialty so even though I have certifications in that and I have uh, a higher level than the average trainer when it comes to training athletes and I've trained lots of athletes, I don't even consider that a specialty of mine. It's something that I could do, but I don't think that uh, I have this level of of understanding and ability to take someone like a Vernon. I wouldn't even want that responsibility. No, you the, know? Goal, the goal, the 100 percent goal with any type of training aside from preventing injury is to improve performance in the respective uh, sport. That means getting stronger if the strength translates to better performance. That means improving mobility if that new mobility or range of motion contributes to better performance. If they don't, then don't go for it. Just making someone stronger with poor performance or poor technique is not going to benefit them on the field. And, and I think, like you said, Vernon Davis was a great example yeah. of what may happen there. Uh, listen, if you like Mind Pump, leave us a five-star rating review on iTunes. If we like your review and we choose it, You'll win a free Mind Pump t-shirt. Also, don't forget to check us out at mindpumpmedia.com. That's where we have all of our programs and our t-shirts, which uh, are on sale maybe still. Excellent. Um, And uh, find us on Instagram at Mind Pump Radio. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal. Justin is at Mind Pump Justin. And Adam is at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.